0: Hello, my friends. Welcome back to another episode. I want to just share quickly that one fun side effect from this phase of pregnancy that I'm experiencing is a lot of shortness of breath. I may have mentioned that before, but also my voice just feels a little bit weaker and you know, I feel like my voice is just sounding a bit different, I think because of the shortness of breath. So anyways, I thought I'd just share that in case you notice or it's distracting, but we are getting close to the finish line, and I actually mentioned that I would be pre-recording some episodes so that I could take some time off when the baby arrives. Now... This particular episode I'm recording right after having taken about a two-week break from social media as well as just work activities in general and that's a topic for a whole different episode because that's probably the first time I've done that potentially ever since being on social media but definitely since this has been my career, and it was just so nice. I can't emphasize that enough. It was really lovely. I am excited to be back, but the reason that I share that I took that break is I did a lot of reading during that time, and one of the things that I have found myself not really connecting with last year was basically this whole theme of reality creation and manifestation and I should say towards the end of last year just when there was so much change going on and I wasn't really processing it on a deeper level but when I took this break I picked up this book that had been on my list for a while and I think a meditation teacher I follow, had recommended this book specifically for reality creation. Funny enough, this actually isn't necessarily a book recommendation. I will leave the book I'm referencing in the show notes, but it on the whole wasn't my favorite. I feel like any type of text related to reality creation or manifestation, there's a big Chunk of it that I don't resonate with and I don't love. However, the way that reality creation was presented in this book did resonate in a new way for me and it kind of got me thinking about things and excited about things, if I'll be honest in a way that made me want to kind of hit the reset button myself and also share some of that in a mini-series here on the podcast. Before we get into it, I just want to share that, interestingly, I was reflecting also on just how much my relationship to the practice of reality creation has changed. Of course, I was exploring this world on my own before I even started this podcast, but even looking back at some of the episodes I've published, you can even see the evolution within the last couple of years, which is just really interesting to observe, and I'm always open to that evolving, and I feel like this way of presenting things is a slight New evolution of that relationship. So, the two big shifts that I would say have characterized my relationship to reality creation as it is today is number one, I feel like when I first started exploring, you know, the theme of manifestation and reading books and so forth, it was presented in a way that just didn't really align with me. It felt more so kind of like what do I have to fix about myself and it just felt like a lot to take on and also it made me feel frustrated because the attitude I had was that I had to learn to manipulate or control my external reality. So the first big shift was that I found this way of engaging with reality creation that really resonated and felt fun and playful and that was through this idea of designing your character and kind of playing the part of the version of me living my desired reality and so kind of looking at it from the lens of identity and having a bit more fun with it and seeing it as more of an experimentation and also shifting my focus to You know, experimentation through internal factors. How can I shift my internal reality and what impact does that have on my external reality versus the other way around? The results of making that shift for me personally were number one, less frustration because I wasn't trying to constantly control things in my external reality and I was shifting my focus to what I could control within myself. And then also just better results and more success with making these shifts and just having more fun honestly. Another shift that I've spoken to here on the podcast is looking at my external reality as a relationship and similar to being in a relationship of any kind with another person my task isn't to try to control or manipulate the other party into doing what I want it's more so to claim responsibility for my part in the relationship and if I am desiring a change of some kind starting at that internal level and also being selective with what and who I give my energy and time and attention to. To kind of clarify what I mean when I'm talking about these shifts, we'll talk about having an anxious disposition towards money and how that would have looked for me before versus how I would approach things now. So before I have the feeling of anxiety around money, so I try to force something to happen externally to resolve my anxiety. And the result is, even if that works on some level, so even if I do receive a little bit more money, what I found was my internal experience of having an anxious disposition towards money simply transfers over to my new situation. So let's say I get a raise at my job. I don't all of a sudden feel that those anxieties are relieved. I just feel that now I... kind of copy pasting those feelings to a new situation. Now how I approach things or at least I try to is I can still have that anxiety but before going out and trying to make anything happen externally I want to look at what's going on internally with my relationship to money because I see there being a greater opportunity to make a shift here and so I would ask things like what do I believe to be true about myself as it relates to money, what are my underlying feelings and emotions when I'm spending money, when I'm talking about money, and how are those feelings and emotions and beliefs reflected through my actions and decisions involving money. So, this new way of interacting with my reality allows me to interrupt my automatic patterns surrounding money, which I may have come to realize are not producing the results I want. And by the way, that's true for me. I felt myself having this relationship with money and nothing that I seem to be doing was with the former approach, seemed to make any difference to the way that I felt. So now, rather than reacting and defaulting to immediate action and trying to do something about this anxiety, the triggering feeling of anxiety can be an opportunity, like I said, to discover what emotions and beliefs and sense of self may be influencing the relationship with, in this case, money and being open to exploring other ways of relating to this thing that we're interacting with on a daily basis because that's the other part of things is aside from the opportunity to make a shift simply the unpleasant experience of feeling extremely anxious towards something that we're interacting with daily is unpleasant and for me that's enough motivation for me to shift that relationship I feel like one thing at the beginning of my kind of journey of delving into manifestation was simply being like, you know, I don't know if this way of relating to whatever it was, whether it was money or relationships, I don't know if this is how I want to do things for the rest of my life, because it doesn't feel good. And I just couldn't accept that there were finite ways of doing things and of believing things. And that for me was sort of, What started this whole journey? In the example that I shared, the unpleasant internal experience of anxiety is the motivator to shift into a new relationship with money. And like I said, the default reaction may be to change at the external level to eliminate the unwanted feeling at the internal level. But Again, what I found is especially when that anxiety runs deep and the beliefs about money are so deeply ingrained, it's possible that even changing external circumstances don't have that much of an impact on the internal experience, at least not in the long term. I'll give another example in a different life category, in this case relationships and more specifically romantic relationships. Now, I've spoken before about how I had sort of a rocky history with dating and relationships. What I felt on an internal level was, you know, I'm not lovable and I'm not acceptable. So, my beliefs about myself were that I had to try really hard to get someone to like me or want to be with me, that I had to compete and perform to maintain someone's attention that I would never be in a happy healthy relationship and that I'd never really feel like myself in relationships so I'd never really feel comfortable or safe so my prominent emotions and feelings when it came to dating were anxiety exhaustion doubt and desperation if I'm being honest and how this all manifested through my actions was I would continue to go on dates with people even when I didn't feel a connection. I'd stress and overthink communication and texting. I'd withhold a lot about myself and not really communicate any feelings. And using my former approach of needing to change the external to eliminate internal unwanted or unpleasant feelings, I thought that getting into a relationship would resolve all of these beliefs about myself and resolve not feeling lovable. The first problem with this approach was I was seeking a relationship for the wrong reason so someone else could convince me that I was lovable. And the second problem was even if I did find myself in a relationship of any kind, those underlying beliefs and emotions didn't just resolve themselves they'd still be running the show. So I would still feel like I had to try really hard. Even if I was getting a little bit more serious with someone, I'd still feel like I had to perform. And so it didn't really matter what the external circumstance was. The beliefs and emotions would just translate to whatever the situation was. So we come back to the original intention behind both of these scenarios in the money example the intention is to shift an internal experience of anxiety and in the relationship example to shift the internal experience of feeling unlovable and wanting to feel more safe and comforted in a relationship and like I said if that's the goal and what I was finding is that shifting things at the external level didn't really resolve the internal level then naturally we start to consider other options and that was the point that I came to which is what led me down the path of looking at things like manifestation and reality creation and mindfulness and self-reflection. A lot of what I found to be helpful and effective and create lasting change in my life contradicts formerly held beliefs I had about You know how things work, because the only way I knew how to change anything in my life was to physically go out and do something about it. So, again, to feel an unpleasant internal experience and to feel like the only option I had was to go out and change my external reality. So, this series is going to turn that approach on its head. So, again, seeing how changes on the internal level influence the external level. And this approach isn't new for this podcast. As I said, we've talked about this many times in Design Your Character themed episodes and many other episodes, but I was inspired to present things in a new way in this series. So the theme here is to become the architect of your reality with the intention of reclaiming your role as an active participant in your life experience. And again, that may be... Triggered by a feeling of discomfort or resistance to something that's happening in your experience or tension, or maybe it's just curiosity to try something new. And whatever the reason is that you're wanting to shift back into that role as an active participant, the series is going to involve taking ownership over your identity, beliefs, emotions, actions, and using them as a vehicle to initiate change in the direction of your desire. So including this episode, there will be three parts to the series, although I have been known to add more parts when questions come in or when I have more thoughts that I didn't initially include in my episodes. So for now, it's going to be part one, which is today's episode, where we'll discuss the foundational themes for this series, which sort of form the basis of this idea of becoming the architect of your reality. Then in part two, you'll create your blueprint, in other words, the new reality you wish to experience. And then in part three, we'll look into your candidacy as the architect of your reality. Whenever we're doing an episode of this nature, I always like to provide a few disclaimers. And the first is that I'm not trying to convince you of anything. And I appreciate that perhaps this series feels a bit out there or like this way of doing things is a bit of a stretch. Even I feel that sometimes. And I don't pretend to know all the answers, but what feels important and exciting to me is to play with new ways of seeing things and present them to you should you choose to see things in that way too. And ultimately, this way of approaching things has always felt like a more fun, playful, creative tool for change versus some of the things I've tried in the self-help or manifestation space. In the past. And you may not find that to be true, and that's okay. We all have a different entry point to, you know, transformational practices. My feeling with reality creation work of any kind has always been that I'd rather point my future oriented imaginative faculties in a direction that I actually desire. So I'd rather spend my time thinking about desirable outcomes for my future and exciting outcomes. Because the alternative for me is my mind projecting worry and doubt into the future. And like I said, I'd just rather take that energy and put it towards something more pleasant. And it's kind of funny because even as I'm saying this, I'm realizing that I have no problem thinking that I'm being realistic and logical by imagining future outcomes if they're negative, but if they're positive or pleasant or fun, that's when I kind of start to tell myself like you're being delusional or you're being unrealistic. So for example, it feels more reasonable to say I'm always going to struggle with money even though I have no proof of that future reality versus even something like I'm open to seeing how my relationship with money could be more pleasant. Even just that feels a little bit unrealistic to imagine that I could have a different relationship with money. As I've played around with my identity a little bit more and shift in my beliefs and been able to experience reality in a new way, I've become more interested in investigating those limiting, often negative statements that in the moment feel absolutely true and just being a little bit more open-minded and asking whether there is any alternative available for me to experience. And all of this is to say that some of what I share may contradict how you view or have been taught to view reality, and that's okay. I would say that it could be an opportunity to explore where any strong immediate rejection of the ideas I'm going to share come from. And, you know, I just like to remind myself that belief can completely shift the way that I experience reality, sort of like glasses through which I see the world. And, This is a conversation for a completely different episode, but the most obvious example of this to me is religion and how identifying with certain beliefs can completely alter your relationship to and perception of reality. Over the course of my life, I've been exposed to different religious beliefs, a lot of which have a lot of variation, and every one of those people orients themselves to reality very differently from the next person and so what's fun to me is to remind myself that these are things that I have a say in choosing and so with that in mind I'm going to present two ideas or beliefs that I think sort of form the foundation for the rest of the series. Okay we'll start with the first which is that realities exist other than the one I am currently experiencing. So one way I like to visualize this idea is picturing a bunch of different parallel roads. So let's say you've been driving down one road, you're familiar with the surroundings, you may not like your surroundings too much or they may be boring, but to some extent the familiarity is predictable and comfortable. You may even sort of feel like you're on autopilot because you're so familiar with the route that you've been taking. And since you've been driving down that road for so long, and that's the route you always take, you may even mistakenly believe that that's the only one that exists. If that's the case, then of course, you're never going to try to take a different route. And you may reject the idea that there are other routes because you simply don't have proof of that. Or you've been told that this is the only one so being presented with the idea that there are more roads you could take even maybe a bit daunting because they're less familiar and may require us to come out of that bubble of comfort And turn off autopilot mode. Bringing this into terms that pertain to this series, you may be so deeply ingrained in a specific identity or belief that you reject the idea that any alternatives to your current situation exist. So, going back to the dating example I shared earlier, I would have rejected the idea when presented with this, that I could ever be in a happy, healthy relationship where I didn't have to desperately grasp at straws to keep someone's attention and perform. I just thought, like, this is what it's going to be like for me. Or the money example. I would have rejected the idea that I could ever have any other relationship with money other than one riddled with lack, anxiety, fear, because, again, not only is that what my experience with money has been, that's what I've seen reflected in so many examples of other people's relationship with money. So that must be the way it is. Full stop. And through that rejection, I stay put on the same path. I reinforce my belief that that's all that exists for me. And Making any sort of real change required me to, at the very least, open my mind to new possibilities and to stop projecting my current or past situation into the future, especially when it wasn't desirable. Rather than assuming I knew everything there was to know about my life and how things were going to go and how things worked, it required saying, I don't know a lot more, or even, let's see what happens. And This whole exploration, in my opinion, starts with giving ourselves permission to accept that there are alternatives, and if we choose to, we can explore them. And it doesn't mean that every single exploration will produce the exact outcome we desire, but that wouldn't really be fun anyways if we could predict how every single thing was going to go. So my feeling has become that if I'm going to make definitive statements about reality, I better have actually explored The alternatives versus saying something is a certain way because of my past experience or someone else told me it was that way. What that's led me to do is actually not really make a whole lot of definitive statements about reality because for me it's always shifting and I'm always taking in new information and being exposed to the way that other people believe things to be true or relate to reality makes me realize that, hey, this is just a choice right now that I'm making. And If you're still having a hard time accepting this premise, something that helps me is to think about scientists and how we evolve knowledge systems. We have to create a hypothesis, which we don't yet have proof for. We have to conduct new experiments and try new things in order to gain new information Or see things in a different way. This is how we adapt and evolve. So I think of it to be the same for my own adaptation or evolution. I don't necessarily need to have proof of something or a lot of proof of something in order to appreciate that something may exist, something different from what I'm currently experiencing. And trust me, I get it, it can be hard without any concrete proof, but we have to start somewhere and seeing myself as a little experimenter or scientist helps me to remember that. The next foundational belief is that reality responds to who you are being. So I think in the past, especially when I first started exploring manifestation, my belief was that reality responds to what I desire. So if I desire something, it should come to me. But Especially when what I desire contradicts an internal belief I have about something, I didn't find that to be the case. And so the idea that reality responds to who you are being and looking at that on the identity level, it's kind of more aligned to the idea of like attracts like. So going back to this idea that realities, alternative realities, I should say, exist, other than the one you are currently experiencing, these are reflections of slightly different beliefs, thoughts, actions, and decisions. And so this is why, in my opinion, working on the internal level can help us to experience things externally in a completely new way. So the book I was reading that I mentioned at the beginning presented this in a way that really made sense to me. So this is the piece that stuck with me and kind of led me to want to do this series So it says that we can affect internal change on several levels. Number one, behavior or action. The second level is emotions or feelings. The third is core beliefs. And the fourth is identity. So changes at any of these levels will influence the other levels to a certain extent. For example, my actions will be different if the feeling underneath them is anxiety versus if I'm feeling relaxed. And then with those actions being different, it follows that the relationship to the external will be different. So the question becomes, what level of change is going to be the most effective? Now, I mentioned that the author presented things in a way that was interesting and different to me. And the way that it was presented in the book, again, looking at these levels, was as though you were building a house. And so the behavior and action would represent the actual building of the house. The emotions and feelings underneath are the builders. The core beliefs are the blueprint. And the identity is the architect. So considering the external manifestation of an architect's work, let's say a house, if the house that was being built was falling apart, it wasn't coming together, or maybe it was even ugly looking at the designs and going back to the architect is likely going to resolve things more effectively than talking with the builders, for example. So it may be a little bit more effort and take more time, But the identity is a level we'll focus on for this series, and then noticing how making a change there trickles down to all other levels. And one last thing before we really get into the series is a little tip that's really shifted my experience with reality creation processes, and that's essentially starting small in order to prove to yourself that this actually works. So in the past, I tried to tackle huge changes in my identity, and without that immediate feedback loop i just think to myself okay this isn't working and then i fall back into the same routine or pattern and then that would feed the idea that hey it's not possible for me to change and it would just become this cycle going back to the architect example though taking on a small project first that suits your skill set before taking on anything huge, is going to build confidence and build the experience as an architect. So if the identity statement for dating was, I am unlovable, using my example, trying to make the jump to, I am lovable, may have felt like a huge stretch. And then my reaction may have been just to reject the idea altogether and go back to my former belief about myself. So trying to find something a little bit closer perhaps on the way to I am lovable but closer to where I currently am and working my way iteratively to the statement that I desire to be true about myself which is I am lovable is what I found to be more effective. So maybe even something like I am learning to accept myself. And so as we create the blueprint and look at The beliefs and you identify the shift that you want to make. I think just recognizing what your internal reaction is to whatever you're presenting yourself with and trusting that if you immediately reject it, maybe there is an opportunity to find something closer to your current belief or your current identity. And that brings us to the end of part one of this series. I hope that you enjoyed. I'm looking forward to sharing part two next week, which as I mentioned, is all about creating your blueprint. And as always, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. You can DM me, you can share feedback through the anonymous link in the show notes, or you can leave a question or comment right here on the episode if you're listening on Spotify. And if you do that this week, then I will answer those questions or address those things in next week's Segment. So thank you for being here. I hope you have a great rest of your day, and I'll see you in part two.